I'm just reading from Matthew 5:14. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to the whole house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. You are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. Yeah. You are the light of the world, Elena. Jesus said, Jesus said this to this big crowd of people who were sitting on the side of a hill, um, a, a pretty motley crew, a um, diverse bunch of people. They'd been following him because of all these amazing things that Jesus had been doing, healing people, um, setting people free from demons, knowing people's thoughts. Uh, all, you know, you read the gospel, so many, he knew so much stuff, he was doing so many things. So they're following him, they're, they're trying to be near him. They want to be near this this guy who speaks speaks with authority, like words that that sound true to them, that they that they believe are true, and and they want to believe that he is uh, this this amazing person. Um, but then it, it, it just makes me wonder. I mean, if anyone is the light of the world, then surely it's Jesus. Uh, surely it's not this motley motley crew sitting on the side of a hill listening to him. Um, like these people, they're just like us. They're just like us. Last week I, I shared with you some a little, I don't know, a little verse that uh, that I'd written, and and it went like this: "You are the light of the world. Scattered lights like street lights. You're not the only ones in houses, neighbourhoods, all over Aotearoa. Street lights are shining. But how?" How are we the light of the world, scattered and shining all over the country, when, when actually Jesus is the true light? How are we the light of the world when Jesus is the light of the world, is I guess what I'm thinking about. Jesus is the light that shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome him. It says in John 1.5, Jesus is the Son of God. He illuminates and reveals the way to God. Uh, thank you. I've got some raisins from Elena. Oh, do you want them back now? Yeah, it's quite cute having you running around, but man, now I don't know where I'm at. Um, I think what I was talking about was Jesus. You know, he, he's the one that illuminates and reveals um, reveals God to us and, and is the way to God for us. He's the way, the truth, and the life. So how is it possible for us to be the light the light of the world? Today I want to unpack this a bit, dig into it a wee, a wee bit. I reckon that in this season and in these days to come, we are being called to shine. Uh, to arise and shine, eh, Dad? To arise and shine. Or in, in Ephesians 5.14, uh, the Apostle Paul writes, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. So, are you ready? Are you awake? Do you have a coffee? Oh, actually, I should turn it around. That's like a Hitler moustache. Oh, yeah, it's better. I'll go with this one. How do you reckon? That's pretty, pretty neat, eh? Um, are you ready? Is what I'm saying. Elena's a big girl now. Um, yeah. <laughs> when Jesus died and was resurrected, the curtain that separated people from from God was torn in two. Through Jesus, people, all of us, could now enter the presence of the holy, eternal, transcendent God. 
because of Jesus, that impossible distance that that separated us from God, resulting from our brokenness and our and our sin, it was dissolved. Jesus nullified it, uh, so that through Jesus we can uh, become true children of God and, and be wrapped in the arms of the Father who loves us and longs dearly to be with us. Jesus Himself became the meeting place. You know, I, I talked about this last week. He is the temple, so that we don't need to go to. Uh, um, an amazing temple in Jerusalem that was destroyed uh, two thousand years ago. We don't need to go there <laughs> because we, through Jesus, we can meet with God anywhere, anytime, even under alert level four lockdown conditions. And the Apostle Paul, he knew this. He knew this oh so well. A bunch of books that we have in the Bible uh, in the New Testament were written by Paul. When he was when he was locked down, he was under house arrest in Rome. Um, people call them the the prison epistles, the prison letters. Uh, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon, or Philemon. We wouldn't have. It's crazy actually. We wouldn't have these letters today if Paul wasn't locked up uh, under house arrest two thousand years ago. Amazing things can happen when people are under lockdown. In Ephesians 2, oh, Tessa, can you come and read this one? Uh, Ephesians 2, so turn your Bibles to Ephesians 2, uh, verses 18 to 22. For through him we have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and the members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure, being joined together, joins into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you are also being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. So Jesus is the temple. Jesus is the place where we meet with God. And here Paul is saying that in Jesus, we are being built together into a dwelling place for God. Paul says that we are growing into a temple into a holy temple, he calls it. The phrase dwelling place, it's a, it's a pretty loaded phrase, but it's, it's really not complicated. Uh, it's just the place where you live. It's the place where you rest. It's, it's your home. It's, where, uh, it's your place of shelter. You know, Four weeks ago, the government uh, ordered us all to go to our, our dwelling place and, and stay there, unless it was like for amazing outings to go to the supermarket or, or essential tra or essential travels but this phrase is the phrase dwelling place that comes up time and time again in the bible if you've if you've read the psalms in the old testament you would have you would have noticed it uh, here's a few examples like psalm 84 how lovely is your dwelling place o lord of hosts or psalm 90 lord you have been our dwelling place in all generations uh, Psalm 91, because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High, who is my refuge, no evil shall be allowed to befall you, no plague come near your tent. Or Psalm 133, let us go to his dwelling place, let us worship at his footstool. Now, in the Old Testament, the dwelling place of God was the temple in Jerusalem the house of God. 
Have you ever been to a really big concert? Like you've gone to see a big international act, a band playing at the stadium or maybe at the, maybe at the town hall, and there's all this hype before the band takes the stage. There's the, the support act who play, um, but most of the crowd, they don't really pay them much attention, you know. We haven't paid $100 for our ticket to go see the support act, well, most of the time. Uh, so the crowd is just like talking, waiting, check, checking your phones. Eventually, the support act leave leave the stage and everybody claps and cheers, not because the support act's been awesome, but because the crowd is going, yes, the main act is about to arrive. And then the lights go down. And then, <laughs> I love this, um, it always seems to happen, somebody in black rushes onto stage and everyone's like, oh, is this the band? But it, it turns out, it's just a stagehand coming to make sure that the microphone is plugged in. <laughs> Pretty key, that. <laughs> it is key. It's a t- yeah. It sucks when uh, when you go on stage as the main act and it and your microphone's not working out. Yeah. I haven't experienced that. <laughs> anyway, so the lights are down. Uh, there's like the stillness, the hush, and then finally the moment arrives. The band appears on stage and everybody goes wild. Um, actually, it seems like the cooler the band is, the more nonchalant they come onto stage. They sort of like saunter on, ignore the crowd, and then launch into their into their into their first song. But it's an ama- it's an amazing thing. In the Old Testament, uh, you can read about all of the planning and preparation and hype that went into the building of the temple in Jerusalem. And, it, and it's kind of like all the prep that goes into, into preparing for a massive international band to come and play at the stadium. Uh, the Israelites, so they were under the leadership of King Solomon, uh, built the temple and it took them a really long time. It took them seven, seven years. And as they built, the anticipation for the arrival of the main act who in this case just happens to be the supreme being of the universe, you know, Yahweh himself. Uh, the anticipation of God arriving, just it would have been building. Like seven years is a long time, is a long time to wait. And then eventually everything it was finally ready. And they had this huge band, including 120 trumpet-playing priests, that's not the kind of thing you want to hear first thing in the morning. Who was it that was talking about the a bagpipe player trying to entertain their community? Oh, it was in the Daily Encourager. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> apparently there's... I, I didn't read the article, but apparently somewhere in New Zealand there's a, there's a guy who goes out into his neighbourhood and plays the bagpipes to cheer them up. It's a lower hut. Sorry, folks. <laughs> I don't know if bagpipes is really... Anyway, I'm getting off on a tangent. Um, try to pick, try to imagine the scene: 120 pl- uh, priests playing, um, playing the trumpet. It was time for God to come and enter His house. So now uh, Tess is going to read from Second Chronicles 5, uh, verse 13 to 14. And it was the duty of the trumpeters and singers to make themselves heard in unison in praise and thanksgiving to the Lord. And when the song was raised with trumpets and cymbals and other musical instruments and praise to the Lord. For he is good and his steadfast love endures forever. The house, the house of the Lord, was filled with a cloud 
so that the priests could not stand to minister because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the house of the Lord mm-hmm. of God. <laughs> so go away. But I really love it how how it goes, the house, the house of the Lord was filled with a cloud. The priests could not stand to minister. It's like when when God came to make the temple his dwelling place, it was powerful. His his spirit filled the temple and all these priests, including the one hundred and twenty trumpet playing priests, they could not they could not stand in his presence. They were all they all fell over. And then uh, in the next chapter, you read about King Solomon. He he then prays, he blesses the people, and he and he dedicates the temple to the Lord, and and invites the Lord to come into his dwelling place, into his resting place. And then this happens. As soon as Solomon finished his prayer, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. And the priests could not enter the house of the Lord, because the glory of the Lord filled the Lord's house. When all the people of Israel saw the fire come down and the glory of the Lord on the temple, they bowed down with their faces to the ground on the pavement and worshipped and gave thanks to the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Isn't that cool? What an amazing scene. How's that for an entrance? I've not seen uh, an international band or a big act uh, coming, you know, turning up on stage like that. But when the when the glory of God filled the temple, everybody knew about it, it and it wasn't just an imaginary thing. It was a it was a powerful encounter. This was like this was heaven meeting earth. When you come to Jesus, uh, when you when you come to uh, Jesus and believe that He is the Son of God, and you believe that He He died and rose again, when you ask for His forgiveness and you make Jesus the King of your life, and you invite Jesus into your life, then you become a dwelling place for the Lord. You become a dwelling place for the King, and the Spirit of God actually comes and fills you. That you become a temple of God, He comes and He rests on you. Now, some of you might might know my story, but I want to tell you a little bit of it anyway. I I came to Jesus when I was pretty young, uh, I think probably around eight years old, maybe nine years old. I already knew Jesus because uh, Mum and Dad uh, were Christians, and so we grew up learning about Jesus, uh, going to church, going to Sunday school. My my sister Anna and I uh, we went along to this after school club that was happening at our school as a Christian club, and one day they they told us about Jesus and they they talked about Jesus and about heaven, and I can't remember all the details. I mean, I was eight, maybe nine years old. But I remember this feeling of of uh, not knowing, not knowing what would happen. Like if I died, what would happen? I I was pretty concerned. I was I was afraid. I knew Jesus, but I didn't know if I was saved. Yeah, I didn't know if I was if I was a Christian. I didn't know if I'd have eternal life, which is what they've been talking about. And so I was. And so I was just really unsure. I had just that, that feeling of like, what what would happen? What would happen to me? So at the end, they asked us, uh, 
you know, if any of us wanted to give our lives to Jesus, and and I and I said yes, and uh, went and went and prayed with him. I mean, Anna, my, my younger sister, was with me as well, so she had to she had to tag along because we had to walk home from school <laughs> together. Anyway, so I, I said yes. I invited the Lord Jesus into my heart that day, and I. I I can't remember a lot of the details, but I do really vividly remember walking home from from school with Anna, uh, walking along Mairangi Road in in Wadestown, um, and just feeling like peace in my heart, feeling joy in my heart. I <laughs> I wouldn't have been able to put these words to it at the time, but it, but I felt like the assurance that uh, the assurance in my heart that that now I was I was one with Jesus. I might have only been eight years old, but that day the Lord God of the universe had made me his dwelling place. An eight-year-old kid, and God had made me his dwelling place. And and he's never left. I've always had that assurance that God is with me. And I have made colossal stuff ups. I make yeah, I, I make mistakes and, and I continue to make mistakes. I, I sin. And yet God continues to dwell in me. Uh, he continues to, to restore me and, and to heal me. Like, it's like he's building his temple from the inside out. Like he's sanctifying his sanctuary. So do you have a story like that? Because if, if you don't, then you can just talk to you can just talk to Jesus in any way you want to. I mean, I was eight—I was an eight-year-old kid when I when I invited Jesus into my heart, and he and he came. And so, if that's you today, then yeah, I encourage you to think about that. The Apostle Paul says that we are being built into a temple for the Lord, that we are a dwelling place for God, which means that that the powerful, awe-inspiring, transcendent God of the universe is somehow dwelling in us. And I really, lo- I really love this word dwelling. In, in Ephesians, it's a, it's, it's from a Greek word, and it has meanings of uh, like a habitation or an abode. We are the abode where God abides, a resting place for the Lord. Yeah. And at First Corinthians three sixteen, it says, "Do you not know that you are God's temple, and that God's temple?" Uh, do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple was holy and you are that temple. That means that you and I are holy because God's spirit dwells in us. My secondary school headmaster, Mr. Reese Thomas, or other people know him as Harvey Reese Thomas, I can't really shake the habit. I've got to call him Mr. Reese Thomas. He wrote, Christians don't need to build a shrine or a temple. They are the temple in which God is found. This is why Alert Level 4 and the restrictions on gatherings at the moment will not kill the church. The church is not buildings. A church is not a church building. Sorry, a building is not the house of God. People are the house of God. You might have seen that cartoon doing the rounds on, on Facebook and it depicts God and the devil. 
do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, I mean, Andrea popped it up on our on our CV page on Facebook the other day, and the devil, I gotta admit, he's looking pretty sharp. He's got a he's got a nice red outfit on and a and a mustache. No, not not a bushy mustache like this, but a real sleek number and a a devilish goatee beard, which says a lot about goatee beards, by the way. Doesn't say much about mustaches, but anyway, the devil's looking pretty sharp, and and he says uh, in, a, in a pirate's accent. Or with COVID-19, I closed your churches. Or something like that. And God, um, you know it's God because he's got a white beard and, and white hair and there's a triangle above his head. So he kind of looks a bit more like Tom Hanks in Castaway. He says, on the, con on the contrary, I just opened one in every home. Now, I know it's a cartoon, right? I know it's not all that accurate. But I reckon that the sentiment is actually bang on. Houses houses have become church spaces all over the world like this disease COVID-19 is not going to stop the church once upon a time uh, Jesus was talking to his followers and and he asked them who they thought he was uh, Simon Peter goes you are the Christ the son of the living God now Jesus he's stoked he's like He's like, man, how did you know this? The Father, God himself, has revealed this to you, Peter. Uh, and, and then he says, I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build the church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I just want to highlight a few points from, from this. We'll start at the end. The gates of hell will not prevail, shall not prevail against the church. Like the the devil, the enemies of God, the strategies of evil uh, will not defeat, will not stop what Jesus has established and is building. Disease, disruption, death will not overcome Jesus' plans. The gates of hell shall not prevail. The second point is that Jesus will build the church. The, the church, um, the word church, used in this passage is again it's from a Greek word it's ecclesia which which has this meaning of like the called out assembly it's a it's a visible and a public gathering the temple in Jerusalem was this massive building that people traveled from all over to visit my point is that you are the light of the world Jesus told his people and he tells us you are the light you are the light of the world it's visible don't go hiding the light, but let it shine for others to see. And, yeah, I mean, you know when lights are most clear and, and most obvious. A little girl, Elena, uh, she's got this light, and here it is. I've got a prop. My dad was always one for props, eh, Dad? So I'm kind of getting in on it. Anyway, you probably can't see it very well, but the light's actually on at the, at the moment. Um, you can't really see it very well because it's daylight but what Elena loves doing is she loves taking this and she calls it what does she call it here? her light hey just her light and she likes going to the laundry and like shutting all the doors and so it's dark in there and she likes shining this all around and so the stars are radiating on the walls and on the roof oh yeah because I didn't show you but it's got little stars that the light can shine out of light is like Elena has figured this out, she's only almost three and she's figured out that you can see the light much more clearly when it's dark. And, and I think this is really, this is something that speaks to us at the moment. 
You are the light of the world, shining like stars, especially when things get dark. I'll put my prop back here. My third point is that on this rock, Jesus says, on this rock, uh, I will build my church. Uh, I don't think that Jesus is talking about Peter himself, even though Peter's name means rock. Uh, I think it's more of a wordplay. Although in saying that, I think Peter was really instrumental with with the building of the church. But what I think Jesus is talking about here is more about this, this truth statement that Peter made, like this revelation that Peter, that Peter had when he said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. This, this is the rock. This is the confession of faith that, uh, upon which the church is built. And this, I really believe, if we hold on to this truth, then, then we will not be shaken. So again, like quoting from Mr. Reese Thomas from Harvey, The scriptures teach that Christ is the son and head of of this house. He is also the chief cornerstone around which the whole edifice is built. The church is his house, and the church, we read, is the place where truth is upheld, the pillars, and upon which it is built. So here's something to let your minds go a bit crazy over for the rest of the day and maybe the rest of the week and maybe even the rest of your lives. Jesus is the eternal temple. Jesus, because of, Je- because of what he did, uh, we can come into the presence of, of the holy God anywhere, anytime. Jesus is the meeting place with God. We also are the temple of God, the dwelling place of his presence, his spirit in us. Temples and temples. I've got another prop. <laughs> Here we go. This is a, a nesting doll. And, you know, have you seen a nesting doll before? Uh, I'll put it over here. So I'm really uncoordinated <laughs> in, in doing this. I should have practiced it. Okay, so we take a nesting doll out and, oh, there's another one. We take another one out and, oh, there's another one, right? All these nesting dolls abiding in each other. Dolls within dolls. Nesting dolls within nesting dolls until you've got uh, the baby inside. Um, Thanks, Miranda, for this nesting doll. Elena loves it. The other night she wanted to take this baby to bed with her. (laughs) Uh, We said, no, we're we're mean parents. Anyway, we're temples in temples, right? We, I don't, one way I'm sort of imagining coming uh, talking about this or thinking about it is that we we go to we go we go to god we go to jesus he's our temple but then we become temples that other people can come to maybe maybe other people that don't know jesus that's just one that's just one thought i've sort of been um, playing with because it's a mystery isn't it but we we abide in god we make our home in god he abides in us he makes his home in us we are the dwelling place of the lord most high I really want this to sink in. Um, we are the dwelling place of the Lord Most High. I want it to sink into me, and I hope that it sinks into all of us. Psalm 84 in the, in the Passion Translation says it like this, God of heaven's armies, you find so much beauty in your people. They are like lovely sanctuaries of your presence. 
going back to what I was talking about earlier, you are lights in the darkness because Jesus, the light of the world, is in you and he's in me. Because the light of life has made us his dwelling place. You are the temple even when you feel like a dilapidated, dilapidated old shed. If you have made Jesus your king, then you are in fact a temple, a holy temple for his glorious presence to radiate his goodness and light for others to see. Kind of like, you know, Elena's, Elena's light. Like, if you look inside there, there's, there's a light inside it, and it radiates out of, out of this light. The whole thing is the light, and the light is also in there. In uh, 2 Corinthians, Paul writes, this is 2 Corinthians 4, 6, 6 to 10. For God, who said, let light shine out of the darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, locked down, but free, always carrying in the in the body always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies manifested right shown demonstrated I need to wrap up <laughs> I need to wrap up this is a a topic that gets me pretty excited but I'm gonna gonna come in and, and finish up eh? I want to encourage you to welcome the Lord of the temple and welcome the Lord into the temple of your lives. You might you might want to think about it. Like, are there are there things that you do or stuff that's in your life that would be actually pretty unwelcoming to the King? Uh, is there is there clutter? Is there is there sin? You know, God's not afraid of sin. If we sin, then God doesn't suddenly leave us. It's not like He's suddenly suddenly departing. If you are a child of God, then God is within you. But I think I think what it means is that we miss out on knowing the fullness of God. We miss out on knowing all of His freedom and all of His His benefits, His goodness. If we let our lives become full of clutter and, and sin, maybe it's like less less of our lives, less of ourselves is actually available to Him. So maybe you want to think about that. Um, I encourage you to partner with God. You know, he's the one that sanctifies the sanctuary. And you can begin today, you can begin right now, like welcoming and inviting the Spirit of the Lord into your life. And and the second thing kind of leads leads from that about let, let this is the time for us to let our lives shine. Let our light shine. And you go, Well, how do we do that? Um there's there's so many practices that are all really all about inviting more light into our lives, like these daily practices, spending time with the Lord and prayer and worship, uh, turning our thoughts regularly, turning our thoughts towards Him, reading and soaking in the Scriptures, fasting, uh, being generous with our money and resources, good deeds and kindness. Like there's so many. These were just ones that were coming to mind for me before. Right? But why don't we like think about it and ask jo- ask God, like talk to Jesus, talk to Jesus about it. He, this is he, he's a God of relationship. We don't we don't become lights on our own. We become 
but become light through relationship with Jesus. Yeah. Was there, Tessa, did you have anything that you... No. You <laughs> <laughs> said it all, I think. Yeah. I yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I just I want to pray pray a blessing on on you all who who are listening uh, today. Like I said before, I really believe that um, that even though we're not together, we can we can experience um, God and and His Spirit in, in in remarkable ways in this season. He knows what's going on. He hasn't left us. He hasn't forsaken us. We are His dwelling places. We are His children. We are his church, scattered lights, however, however you want to imagine it. Mm. So let's, let's uh, just set our attention on him. I'll, I'll pray and then, and then we'll wrap up for this morning. So. Light of the world, Jesus, the Son of God. We praise you and we thank you for, for who you are, for what you've done, that you would make us your home. Even, even with all of the, of the clutter and the mess that we might have going on in our lives, you still make us your home, you still love us. And Lord, uh, we, we pray that you would increase in our lives, that we would uh, know you more, that we would experience more of your of your goodness. We would know that uh, that that relationship with you, Lord Jesus. I, I pray that we would know your voice, that you would teach us teach us what it means to be be your temple. Teach us how we can we can carry your presence and to and to honor you. Teach us also how we can be a resting place. That, uh, Lord, if you rest in us, then what does that mean for our rest? I pray that you help us to rest also. And Lord Jesus, I want to I want to pray a blessing over Capital Vineyard Church and over everybody that's uh, streaming and connecting with us today. Lord, that you would you would bless your people, you'd bless your children, you would draw us closer to you, and and uh, even in this time, you would you would help us to draw closer to one another in ways that we haven't even imagined yet that you would release this on your church in this time we thank you and we exalt you Lord you are the cornerstone of the church you are the head of the church this is all for you, it's all about you in Jesus name Amen, Amen.